Hola, y bienvenidos to this year's Hispanic Heritage Month episode. Yo soy Octavio El Gordito González. Y soy Guillermo El Guapo Ortega. And I'm Emiliana. Hey, she changed it up a little bit at least. Oh, hey, you got something. <laughs> so, no accents. Yeah, none at all. So this week we are finally talking about a true crime story that is near and dear to me and to the Latin community in general. So all hail the Queen of Tejano and join us in these bloodthirsty times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can't help it every time. Jeez. I thought that, that was something else, like a whistle, like a fake whistle. No, no that was a me. real will. Me being a Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I should go to. We're here. We are. What? What day? What's today? What oh, what? What did What did you say, Emily? I said, "Is that what Mex like? That's what makes you Mexican? Your whistle." Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to be able yeah. to whistle. It says a lot about it. Yeah, you gotta. Yeah, a lot of times they do hand gestures and they whistle, and that means a whole bunch of different things considering who you're talking to. Like my cousin Jose. He uh he can whistle and talk, and with that one same motion, he can mean like six different things. He can be like, "Hey, come it's over true, here." You know. Be like, "Hey, look at that." It could be all kinds of things. When I was younger, whistling was like a way to get your attention to come here. Like if my dad whistled and we said "sir" from another room, we would get in trouble. <laughs> yeah, you gotta come running. Same. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> here we are. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Hispanic Heritage Month came to an end on October fifteenth, but this is still. The Hispanic Heritage episode, uh, and what a better way to celebrate that month uh, with a story about one of the greatest and most beloved Chicano singers of pretty much all time. Now, I'm going to be honest, this episode is not at all what I thought it was going to be when I decided I was going to be doing uh, Selena for the Hispanic Heritage Month a while ago. Instead, as I looked more and more into Selena and the woman who took her life, it actually became more about that woman and the years leading up to that fateful day. But, you know, I think at this point it's okay because I think even people who aren't uh, fans of Selena, they all know what Selena's life story is from. I mean, Netflix came out with the show like a year or two ago. Uh, there's that obviously the 1997 film with J-Lo and Edward James Almost. Everyone's fucking seen that, right? Yeah, J-Lo was in that? Yeah, that's that's her. You never saw Selena? That one. No. no, I have seen it. And it took me a really long time after the movie came out to know that that was a true story. But... That was J Lo. Yeah, that was J Lo. That's her. That was her. Besides, uh, in Living Color, I oh, think yeah. she was in, where she was a dancer. Uh, mm-hmm. she, be, besides that, that was her breakout role with Selena. 
Yeah, I didn't watch that. What? <laughs> the widest way possible. <laughs> yeah. You really have never You've seen that? You've never seen that? No. You never, dude, you would it's never, it's never piqued my interest to be like, oh, I'll watch this movie about I, Selena. I think you would like it, honestly. Like, it's a great story. And there's this one part that we always quote um, this is the bumper of Selena's. And he says it with an accent like you do. And uh-huh. it, yeah, I just, I thought, I thought you've said that before. No, not. it must have been Tyler or somebody. Yeah, yeah, I've never, I've never seen it. <laughs> That's it's never been a like a, a peak my interest type of movie. Uh, Did you see it when it first came out, Octavia? Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. You were what? Yeah, day one. I was yeah, day one seven, eight. nine. So it came no, out in ninety seven. Oh yeah, it was probably eight. Well, I was eleven. Yeah. So I think you were nine. But anyways, um, yeah, I remember watching. That was one of my three staples that I would rotate, or four actually. The sisterhood of the traveling pants. No, <laughs> cry baby, hairspray, Selena. Matilda? No, and days and confused. Carrie. <laughs> dude, honestly, dude, I'm surprised you've never seen that. I just feel like you. Yeah. You're so entrenched in the culture. I feel like that would have been a staple. At least seen it once. I. I didn't really like follow Selena or really know of her music enough to want to watch the movie. Hmm. So, well, now that you have uh, a Hispanic person in your life, you should probably go watch it together. <laughs> yeah, uh, I hope she doesn't listen to this episode because I might. I would be hope, dead. I hope she does because end. I think you need to be dead for not watching this. I've, by I, the end of today, if she listens, I will be no more. <laughs> I will cease to exist. Yeah, because my hyena. He's going to kill me. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, dude. It's really blowing my mind that you haven't seen that. For real, like you, you're always it's like going in, the, too. in the culture and stuff. You know, you're living I, in Southern I, California. I know. That's crazy to me. But uh, I just never was big on like, I knew of Selena, obviously, but yeah. didn't well, even, really like. But even, okay, so it, was, it came out in 97. So you've had a lot of years to watch it. But the acting so in that movie is really good. I mean, it's Edward James almost. It's got all these like, it's got fucking J-Lo in her prime. Like just for that sole reason, it's worth a watch. <laughs> like it, I mean, you you bring up valid points, yeah. but yet I still haven't watched yeah, it. I hear you. So, so well, still, we'll take a break and let you go do that. All right, we'll put it on my watch bit. list. the The new show is okay. the The new Netflix series it's it's a little bit more in depth, but the movie is better in my. It's opinion. like the staple of yeah, yeah. Like a Netflix series, yeah. It's like a year or two ago. Yeah, I'm gonna watch it after I finish Rings of Power. Okay, what's that? Laura. Oh, are you watching uh, that? Yes. Uh, come on, man. Come on. Both of you, come on. Sorry. I thought I lived under a rock. <laughs> Obviously not as big of a rock as Emily's rock. Um, Hello, I've seen Selena. Emily's a Southlander. Yeah. She was loyal to Morgoth. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Excuse me? Anyways. No, um, anyways. Uh, so this episode, yeah, this episode um, is going to be more like what we usually do. We're, you know, we talk about the killer and the death that inevitably rock the world, the Latino world anyway, not Will's world, but the Latino world. <laughs> Definitely uh, not mine. No. Uh, I don't even know how she died. Really? This is all going to be what new to you? F- this what? is going to be brand spanking new to me. Huh. Look at my shirt. <clears throat> oh, that's cute. Want to buy that for you? Yeah. We bought matching oh, yeah, ones. So <laughs> I don't have mine on. Yeah, yours is a foxtrot. The mail's, the mail's a little slow out here, apparently. I didn't get mine yet. I bought it at Walmart if that makes you feel better. 
for seven does, years. Yeah. Does does not. <laughs> well, does not for everyone, selling Selena shirts at Walmart. Come on. That's what I'm saying. That's that's a bigger how big her cultural impact was. It's been 27 years, and we bought that it's shirt crazy. a couple months ago. So um, the reaction, crazy. the reaction to Selena's death, except unless you're Will, has been compared to the reaction to John Lennon's death or even Elvis's. Like this was a huge deal, and for me personally, I can remember exactly where I was when I heard the news. Like 9/11, I knew exactly what happened and where I was that day. Selena's death. Also knew exactly where I was. Not the same level of severity, but, you know, still very important to me. Um, so when I heard the news, it was March 31st, 1995. I was six years old, and we were living in San Bernardino, California. And I was in the car with my mom. She was listening to a Latin radio station in the early afternoon when suddenly the song stops midway, just completely stops playing, and breaking news comes through with the news that earlier in the day, Selena had been shot. And they had just received word that she didn't make it. My mom literally pulled a car over, yelled, let out a yell, and burst into tears. And I, at the time, didn't fully understand what I was hearing. I was like, how could Selena be dead? She's like the biggest Latina star in the world right now. Like, who would kill one of the biggest rising stars and why? When we got home, my mom immediately turned on Primer Impacto to see what the news was saying. When the show came on, there was Maria Celeste Araras with more breaking news. Apparently, the woman who was suspected of killing Selena was in a standoff with police in front of a Days Inn motel in Corpus Christi. It turns out that woman was named Yolanda Saldivar, and she was holding a gun against her head, threatening to kill herself because she just killed Selena. But before we get into all that, let's rewind it a few years. I just... It's hard to comprehend the want or the mental capacity to kill a celebrity, and I'm sure you'll dive into it. Oh yeah, we get we get into exactly what led up to it. To, to why? But it's like I still like I I don't get it. And and the fact of who she was, as you'll come to find out, who she was in relation to her, it makes it even more devastating that this happened at all. Um, but yeah, I, for that reaction of like knowing exactly where I was and what happened. And I even called my mom. It's like, hey, do you remember when Selena died? She's like, yeah, we were in or She doesn't remember me being in the car, but I do. Uh, but she's like, yeah, I was in the car. I pulled over. I cried and I yelled. And I was like, yeah, I was there. And she's like, so like the Latin community in general for millions of, of Americans who love her, uh, she was a major, major deal. And I can't stress enough how big of it. I mean, like I said, we bought a Selena shirt at Walmart a few months ago. She's still... Yeah, it's crazy. She's still such a huge piece of cultural importance. Yeah. So um, the day that Yolanda Salivar murdered Selena at the Days Inn Motel in room 158, um, she had actually been an employee of the Quintanilla family. But before she got involved with the musical family, she came from a tight-knit family of her own. She was born to parents Francisco and Juana on September 19, 1960 in San Antonio, Texas. She was the youngest of eight children. Her family didn't have a ton of money, and as a result, they were moving around a lot, which meant she went to three different elementary schools, which also meant she didn't really have any friends. But that's not really a huge deal when you have so many siblings, right? You just, your, best, your best friend's your brother or your sister, whatever. Um, so this trend of not really having friends except for your family continued into high school, but she still somehow managed to have a boyfriend for most of her high school career. But other than that, kind of a solitary person when it came to outside influence, which actually comes is a big deal for later on in life. Um, because 
she was always very studious. She tried hard in her college courses, um, but she was derailed just a little bit when her brother got full custody of his three kids and he ended up caring for them a lot of the time. On top of that, she had to pay her own way through school and help her parents with money at the same time. So she ended up working as a nurse's assistant until 1990 when she became a nurse herself. This was a massive accomplishment that took her 10 years to complete, but out of everybody in her family, she was the only one to ever graduate from college, which made her the pride and joy of the family, like the whole family. Her, like You walk into the room and her diplomas and shit are all over the wall because she's the only one who ever did anything out of her eight brothers. 10 was years to get your nursing license? Yes. Yeah, she admits that, yeah, that was a long fucking time. But she had a lot of... What? Like she just waited to go get it? Because like there's no program in the world that would let you go for 10 years doing it. I don't know what... Maybe it was like college in she general. Took like a, yeah, she probably took a lot of prerequisites that... And maybe just weren't. worked then and didn't go back to school right away. Yeah, that's what well, it she seems probably like. was in school for 10 years, but just did a lot of classes that related to nursing, but not actually the nursing degree. Also, was any of this in the movie? Because I don't remember... No, no, this... This isn't uh, so. When you think of Selena, we think of the amazing life she had when she started out as a, as a singer at seven. When her dad found out that she could sing, and then they started a band. Everyone except for Will knows the story of how <laughs> how she became like a sensation it's at true. the age of like ten or eleven, right? Um, but this is actually more about Yolanda's side of it and how she relates to Selena, because again, everyone has seen her life play out. They know about Selena's life, and it's as impressive that is as that Except is. Except me, right? As impressive as her life is, um, this is more about the lead up to Selena's death. So this actually, this episode will probably be called the death of Selena, not just Selena, because I don't really cover Selena's life. That's been done enough, I think. Okay, so I thought you were talking about Selena. That's why I was so freaking confused. No, no, this is Yolanda's no, no. life. This is Yolanda. This is Yolanda. I I see that now. I hear that. I'm like I remember you saying that, but I was Come confused. On. Catch up. I was just like, was he making this shit up? Because that was not in the movie. No, 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 no. <laughs> no Selena's life was much more uh, entertaining. This is more like she had a very mundane, shitty life because she, I mean, like the, her brother had three kids and she was basically the mom and the brother was either working or whatever he was doing. Like the family wasn't really shitty. It's just that a lot of the, she was the youngest. So a lot of the shit fell on her to like take care of and. As the youngest? Yeah, because everyone else was working, making money. And then she had to do her part too. Um, gotcha. Yeah, but now that she was a nurse, she was able to get two jobs at the same time. During the day, she worked at a hospice taking care of terminally ill cancer patients. And then she worked the swing shift at a San Antonio hospital. And despite working till 1 a.m. pretty much every day, her coworkers had nothing but good things to say to her. Uh, and actually, when it came for her trial... Uh, that we'll talk about later they actually provided like a fund for her to get clothes to wear during court because she didn't have fan like dress up clothes at all so i mean her i don't like think that that's like necessarily a negative thing i think that everybody has somebody in their corner no matter what no, it's not, it's, committed so like i feel like that's not as strange as it seems or like sounds because everybody has somebody most of the time yeah but yeah, she did a shitty thing and maybe was a shitty person before uh, leading up to or whatever. But, mm -hmm. but she wasn't always past that way. Life as a youngest child and having, you know, issues at home doesn't negate the fact that she's still a piece of shit for what she did. But mm -hmm. I don't know. The clothes thing, that's, I feel like that everybody needs some. No, I'm just, so. so there's this, I guess the word is dichotomy with her. Like she's not a terrible person until like later years. 
uh, I think from like 91 to 95, she becomes a little bit devious, as we'll see. Um, but for a while, it's not apparently clear. She's just a happy-go-lucky person for a, a good long while. So the thing is, like, with such a hectic schedule, her dating life was almost non-existent. Aside, you know, from a few flings here and there, and usually they would flame out quickly. This was just how her life went from then on. She was working, uh, took care of the kids, went to work, helped with the family. That's her life, day in, day out, every day. After she graduated, working from sun to sundown, um, like I said, she's coming back to her mom, dad's house, not really have a man her own. Plus, she was still taking care of those kids. Ironically, it was one of her nieces that in mid-1991 invited her to, to a Tejano concert in San Antonio featuring Selena. The thing is, she was pretty much just going to escort her niece because she wasn't really into Tejano music. She was a typical Texas Mexican and preferred American country. But, what? Yeah. Texas Mexicans and, and Mexicans and California Mexicans are not the same at all. Yeah, she preferred uh, Garth Brooks, Tim McGraw. Yeah, all that other stuff from the See, well, state, even the more reason of country. Even more this story. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so uh, like I said, California Mexican and Texas Mexican, totally different breeds completely. Aren't Texas Mexicans like more like country, not like country, like redneck, but like, sorry if that offends anyone, but like country west. No, I mean like, like, is it because it's like a farming I think to me, the main difference is that like for me, for instance, in my specific uh situation i am a first generation american my parents came straight from mexico and i was born here for texas mexicans their family have been in texas for generations like three four generations already so the culture of texas you know the yeehaw guns all that that's already ingrained in them so they as they maintain their like spanish-speaking language for the most part but really they're, they're basically cowboys texas cowboys essentially and that's like the main difference with how i see it anyway is a generational thing yeah yeah, that's why we have Tex-Mex food instead of Mexican food. So, or like the Mexican restaurants here, all kind of food is that all Tex-Mex except for Elupio. Okay. <laughs> no, I was I was thinking because I went to Papacitos the other day when we were driving back from Galveston, and that was named Tex-Mex, but it was way better than the shit we have here. Probably because like, yeah, you're, you, you're at the source, you're not Mississippi. You live in Mississippi. Yeah. No, I mean like. All, I've been to Mexican restaurants in many other states. I'm just saying, like, the, it's what very generic states? food. Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Florida, Texas. Alabama. Alabama. Okay. And Texas was really good. Tennessee, Kentucky, Te- uh, Illinois, uh-huh. Indiana. I, These are all southern any, states. Don't expect any Nevada, of those. I don't Nevada. Any of those states have good Mexican, except for Nevada, California, Texas, Arizona, Arizona, Arizona. New Arizona Mexico. The but states that are closest to Mexico have the best Mexican food. So I went to New York. I went to a Mexican restaurant. It was terrible. Like, yeah, I could have told you that. <laughs> well, I just feel like it's all the same. Like those smushed beans, the orange rice, oh and then just plain ass shit. Turn her mic off. <laughs> so I didn't say like, it was good. Like turn a, it off. Like I said, Yolanda was a typical Texas Mexican. She loved American country, but... When Selena got up on that stage, Yolanda immediately was starstruck. She was awestruck by Selena's performance. When I saw her, she lit up the stage. That's her actual quote. She said it a little more enthusiastic, but you get the idea. 
Oh, that. What's well, not like in quotations? I don't know. I was uh, when I saw I... her, she lit up the stage. <laughs> when I saw her, she lit up the stage. There you go. Thank you, Yolanda. I don't remember how she sounded either. She's it's called acting. Okay, picture my mom. Say it like my mom would say it. Imagination. That, that's not what it says. I don't. I can't imagine it. I don't. I've never no, met his mom. His mom says imagination for instead of imagine, imagine that. She says imagination. <laughs> imagination. <laughs> Anyways, um, unfortunately, Yolanda was fangirling super hard, like an obsessive, unhealthy way, after just seeing Selena one time. It was likely that after more than a decade of being a good daughter, honor student, and exemplary employee, she was ready to take her life in a whole new direction, and this was the sign she was waiting for. This is where all the other past shit comes into play. She she was never the popular kid. She never had friends, and now she sees this person who she desperately wants to be friends with because of how amazing she is. So she becomes like a swim fan. She's just like, I'm going to meet that person, whatever it takes. And it's a dangerous, obsessive way. Mm-hmm. Have you guys ever met anyone in person? Not actually met them, but had them stalk your Facebook or whatever and then obsessively message you? No. No. Sounds like you Why? have. You know I have Octavio. Yeah. Was that you, Octavio? No. God, no. No. She's, she's not silly. But we won't mention their name. No. Anyways, at the end of the concert, Yolanda wanted to do what a lot of new fans do. She wanted to head over to the merch table and help support uh, and represent whatever band or artist by buying a button or shirt, which for some reason merch at shows are never big enough for big boys. So some people have to settle for hats and koozies and stickers instead of shirts like he actually wants. Don't know where that comes from. It's not me. No, definitely not inner monologue. No, no, definitely not. But I'm thinking at every show ever. Um, Have bigger sizes, please. As she was walking around, she found that there wasn't any kind of merch table at all. And this gave her an idea over the next couple of days. She somehow got the Quintanilla's phone number and called 15 times, according to AB Quintanilla, um, the brother of Selena. But if you ask Yolanda, she only called three times. And on that last time, whether it was 15 or three, she finally got Abraham Quintanilla to agree to a meeting with her to discuss the details of starting the official Selena fan club. How do you say their last name? Quintanilla. Quintanilla. Mm-hmm. What? I was trying to, I don't remember, I'm sure they said it in the movie, but mm-hmm. I can't remember how they said it, but I thought they said it differently. So in my head, every time I've been reading it, I've been saying it wrong, I guess. Quintanilla? <laughs> yeah, Quintanilla quesadilla? Quesadilla? Quintanilla is what, I, not keen. I was saying Quintanilla. Mm. I know that the double L is not. A.A. Lee or whatever. Dilla. <laughs> Anyways. Quesadilla. <thank> you. <laughs> I love quesadillas and tortillas. Tor- tortillas, yeah. Actually, my coworkers call those soft shells. They don't call them tortillas. <laughs> They're soft shells. They, oh do it, they do it to bug me straight up, but I think they actually do talk like that. It's, it's uh, taco meat, taco shells, and taco sauce. Those are the 100% grade oh, A tacos. Man, the signs that you're living in the South. <laughs> They they do it to mess with it. I really do think that that's how they think of it. It's like that. Wait, what they do. Are they, a quesadilla they call a taco? Anything that's <laughs> Mexican is a taco. Oh. Uh, it's like that. The white people taco night. <laughs> <laughs> I send that to them all the time. Uh, 
Anyways, uh, so during the meeting, they met up at a place called Reflex, Club Reflex in San Antonio, where they agreed that Yolanda would become the president of Selena's fan club, where people can pay a fee of $22 and receive exclusive uh, merchandise. And the money would go to charity um, causes of Selena's choosing. So whatever she wanted to be associated with in a good positive light, the money would go to them instead of her. Um, and so they shook hands and Abraham told Yolanda that if she needed anything, she could contact Selena's sister, Suzette, and they would get back to her when they could. Because of the sister as the go-between, Yolanda didn't actually meet Selena until December of 1991 after she had been the fan club president for six months. Although Yolanda had this new venture in her life, she still maintained her previous life of going to work, going home to the parents, um, and you know, taking care of the kids, but this, but now she just added the fan club president on top of that. So so far, it's not like life changing, super crazy. No, yet. no, she's just the president of the fan club. Yeah, uh, and she started like started it. Mm-hmm. She came up with the idea. Yeah. yeah, because there was like at the show, there was nowhere to buy anything with Selena's face or name on it. So she's like, "That's weird. Let me start a fan club where people who want to represent Selena." Day to day with a T-shirt like the one you're wearing, uh, they can't. Shout out y- Yolanda for the T-shirt. Uh, no, that's shout out Walmart. Walmart, yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, she Selena would have had merch eventually. <clears throat> you can't say shout out Yolanda because she ended up killing her. Well, yeah, but I mean, like she put this into motion. <laughs> okay. Also, Selena. I'm not going sh- to shout out. Person. I'm not going to shout out Dahmer for having a killer Netflix series. No, that's all Evan Peters. I mean, yeah. Evan Peters is. did a damn good job. Yes. But shout out to Dahmer's life itself for making it interesting because it would be boring as shit yeah. if he didn't do anything. Actually, there was a couple parts where I actually felt really bad for him. Um, anyways, let's go. <laughs> you mean the early <laughs> life when his parents treated him like Me shit? Too. Yeah. yeah. That's the, we, yeah. How, but how many cases have we talked about? I was like, usually we talk about the beginning life and how like, holy shit, their parents were assholes or whatever happened. And like, you feel bad for the younger Dahmer in this, cl- in this case, but then you're like, oh yeah, he's a fucking piece of shit. Never mind. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the flashback thing. Maybe. So same with Yolanda. I don't know about you guys, but is, is it since we do this podcast, does it feel icky to you guys to see like merch with his face on it? Like it feels icky to me. It's like, why? Uh, it yes, yeah. I understand doing uh, docu series and stuff, mm-hmm. but to you, create merchandise for a serial killer, serial killer? is yeah. kind of bad taste uh, yes yeah so in a way with like the valentine thing that i made that you said was in poor taste or whatever it was tacky which yes that's the point of that was like i love you so much i'll eat your heart or something like that Mm -hmm. i remember what the thing said with his face on it that's more so as a joke and like just to be funny like ha with your friends but like the t-shirt thing and like actually monetizing yeah that's i think that's the problem they're monetizing yeah making memes is one thing yeah but actually selling merchandise that money, you for it. Whoever, whoever made it. Whoever, yeah. He's not going to anyone don't else have, except for their don't pocket. Don't they have to have the it's rights to, the, to do that? It's not going to the Dahmer family. No. He's, he's dead. No. It's not going to the Dahmer family. It's definitely not going alive, to the... His dad might be. I think His dad's in that show. Mm, no, he's in an interview, interview about the show. Yeah, interview about the show. But yeah, so, like, it's definitely not going they're, to they're not, gonna, they're not sending him the money. No, it's definitely not going no. to victims either. Or, no. That's what I'm saying. Like, I wonder if there was some sort of like deal or trust or no, something. No, they didn't ask anybody place. for permission. No, they just made t-shirts and whatever. And whoever makes them gets the money. 
Yeah. It's like I can make one right now and probably make a killing off of it. Pun intended? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> nice Pun wink. intended. Nice wink. Yeah, yeah. that's crazy face. So anyways, back to uh, Yolanda. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, in the Dahmer tangent. Yeah. I'm <laughs> sorry. Yeah. It happens. Yeah, just, I real quick again, I just feel like no matter who it is, what serial killer, I don't think they, they should be the one with their face plastered everywhere. That is, it feels stupid. They're terrible no, people. You, yeah, you're not supposed to uh, idolize, publicize or idolize a, a mass murderer, serial killer, child killer, child predator. Like, you know, the evil, yeah. evil people in the world. Like, half the time, like, people avoid saying their name. Hmm. I agree. I'm right? glad I'm not the only one here. <laughs> yeah. You just don't say their name. You, like you're not trying to like the, Oh man, the, uh, Parkland. Yeah. Shooter. Oh yeah. Cause he just got off. There was one juror that saved got, him from, he got off. He got no, out of the, he, he got, got out of life the, in prison. He didn't get the death. Oh. He didn't oh. get the death penalty because of one juror. Didn't the families speak out against that though? Too, I'm sure they did, but there's nothing to do about it. The whole the whole courtroom was very very upset. Hmm. But they call him the Parkland shooter, and they don't. I don't, yeah, know I don't even his know his name. name. Probably look it thing. up. Yeah, this, but that's one thing. of those those things. Like it's a Parkland shooter, not whatever his that name asshole's is. fucking name. Yeah, and that's like the per- like try not to idolize the person. Or give him the 15 minutes he's looking for at all. Give him yeah. any attention. Like that fucker who drove into the parade and killed six people and injured 62 people and he's on trial representing himself right now. Smart. And he's getting his whole Smart 15 move. weeks of that fame all, or whatever. It always works out really well. Yeah, it does. <laughs> he's Anyways. A yeah. Anyways, back, back to you. Yeah. <laughs> if you agree with anything we're saying, feel free to comment on anything. Like, yeah, fuck those people. <laughs> but the, the, the parking lot one really pisses me off. Yeah, it, dude, it's, it's, one, it's fucked up. It, yeah. it, it's, it's fucked up that one person can say it. no and that means he doesn't get the death penalty for that's the justice just system bro ruthlessly murdering children yeah <clears throat> but one person has this like ah oh, i feel bad for him he had a rough growing up his parents were terrible to him he has mental health issues okay uh, it, it's yeah what's your catchphrase it's, yeah. it's, what's it's, your catchphrase but i digress Fortunately, in 1992, Yolanda's family's home burned down. And although by this time, Selena and Yolanda were very friendly towards each other, Yolanda actually never asked for Selena's help, which she easily could have. But I, it's one of those things where she they are friends, but they're like newly friends. So it's not, I, I wouldn't be like, hey, let's say I just met you, Will. Like, hey, do you mind sending me thousands of dollars? You know what I mean? Because my house, like even though people would feel bad, your, house, yeah. your family's home burned down, it's not something like... Especially, I think that that's when the Mexican attitude comes in. Like, no, I don't need your help. I got this, you know, especially the yeah. dad. Um, so as, as time went on, though, the two women started hanging out even more. Um, and the crazy thing is Yolanda was actually 10 years older than Selena. They still started hanging out all the time, getting their nails did, their hair did, basically going everywhere together, the mall, just shopping. Um, it is the thing I think it was because it turns out that even though Selena had just married the band's guitarist Chris Perez uh, on April 2nd of that year, uh, Selena's life as a child star left her feeling lonely. And the two women bonded over that feeling because, as we know, Yolanda had felt that way her entire life. 
she didn't have friends. She had brothers and sisters. And Selena was a child star, so she didn't have time to make friends. So now they had each other. And, you know, so you was Selena when she got married. Uh, 92, she was 20. She's 20. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So, like, again, uh, they, Yolanda knows that feeling all too well. And even she was a decade older than her. So, Selena looked to her, like, as for guidance, like uh, an older friend. Like an older sister. Kind yeah, of exactly. Feeling. Yeah. So, that's how deep their bond was getting. Like, it was, like you said, yeah. a sister at this point. Like, they were inseparable. As more time passed, Yolanda's devotion to Selena increased. Like, I think you would call it obsessive, but to her, she was just helpful. Yolanda did anything and everything Selena asked for with a smile on her face because she was just happy to have such a famous person as her best friend. Selena decided that she probably wasn't going to find a better assistant than Yolanda and offered her to offered her a job, which of course Yolanda immediately quit her other jobs for, despite the pay not being as much as she was used to getting paid. Aside from being at Selena's beck and call 24-7 and running the fan club, Selena, uh, along with the rest of the Quintanillas, decided that Yolanda was the perfect woman to manage the newly created boutique Selena, etc., which had opened two locations in Texas. So she's getting more and more trustworthy with the family. They're entrusting more and more uh, important things with her. I mean, she's a manager of a boutique, two of them, in Texas. So, you know, she's entrenched in these people's lives. Um, but like I said, if you know anything about Selena at all, you know that even though she had an incredible talent as a singer, what she really loved was fashion. So opening up these shops was a dream come true for Selena. Yolanda's job included managing the finances and all the mundane day-to-day stuff that, you know, she didn't want to have Selena bore herself with because she was a singer. She's still doing shows. So all the day-to-day petty shit was Yolanda's job. Mm. Damn, so she really worked her way into the... She, yep, into the fold. She's completely... The, yeah. Yep. Do you think from the start she was nuts? Yeah. I think I think so. Uh, at least obsessive. Like so a, she was kind of playing the long game, maybe? Or you just think that I, I th- she started no, out with I don't, I don't the good intentions a, and then went to that? I don't think there was a long game involved in murdering... Right. I don't think like that was her, the long idol, game. her idol. I think it just... Uh, she probably got super entrenched and super obsessive. And again, I'm guaranteed that you'll cover it, but you know, something triggers and you're like, Oh my God, she doesn't love me anymore. So now no one can nope. love her. Type of thing, can right. Yeah. 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 He has basically <clears throat> where this is going essentially. Um, yeah. It's, it's, you get super obsessive over someone and you become actually like part of their life, not just a fan. Right, a fan being is is one thing. If a fan murders uh, a celebrity or a singer, it's like, oh, that was a crazy fan. But to have someone that is essentially part of the family and running a lot of the business, that's like a completely separate category of of crazy. It is for her to be able to even get in there like that. It absolutely is. Um, if it if it is a long game. Um, it is just for the fact that the, the, the shit you get for being Selena's best friend is immeasurable. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When I say long game, I don't mean like she started out with intentions to kill her. I just mean like she she's using was her. Obsessive, yes. obsessive in the beginning also, or do you think that she was normal and then became obsessive? I think it was. No, she was obsessive from, yeah, from the get go. She was 
She saw Selena on that stage. And I said, this, this is what I want to do. This is, I need to be next to her. It was a need. Um, but I think as it, time went on, she didn't expect to be in as in touch with the family and her as she got to. So it became like, I need to maintain this friendship at all costs. I, can you imagine meeting a celebrity in person and then in a very quick fashion now you're like oh actually i want you to be my manager or i want you to do this for me and you're like oh cool now i'm in i'm I'm in Mm -hmm. i'm the right hand man that's essentially what was happening it's like i can't believe like i love this person so much and now they're asking me to actually be a part of their life not just a fan it's crazy. I think it's a big deal for anybody. I, I just think that her personality did not mesh well with what's happening to her. She no. couldn't handle it. So like being friends with a rising star obviously has its perks. The two friends would exchange gifts. Of course, Selena's gifts to Yolanda were a lot more extravagant. For example, Selena found out Yolanda liked cow stuff. So Selena bought all all kinds of cow shit. Just anything with cow, cow, cow prints. Any, I'm sure she bought her some cow shit. <laughs> Some cow pass, some yeah. patties. I think they call patties, right? Yeah. yeah. Cow pies. Yeah, but there's a, mud pies. A, I don't know. Mud pies. Maybe. I know what you're mud talking patties? about. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Cow patties. Anyways, yeah. I don't know. So anything that was cow related, Selena bought it like in, on the spot. Like, oh, that Yolanda would love this. She would buy it. Also, Yolanda found out that Selena loved egg stuff because Selena had been born on Easter Sunday and would get her all kinds of egg related stuff in fact one of those gifts would play a part in the murder of selena and that was a fancy looking faberge egg ring that was custom made for selena the ring had white gold as a centerpiece had 52 tiny diamonds and the letter s had been inscribed on either side and the whole thing had about two carats total and cost a little over three thousand dollars which is about six and a half thousand in today's money so it was a pretty hefty gift coming from yolanda and to be honest I think the ring is ugly as fuck, but you know, Selena fucking adored this gift. So, you know, I, it's really, what's a Faberge? Faberge egg. It's a decorative egg. It's worth a lot of money. Um, and they're like multiple different things. They're supposed to be really unique. And, um, the French are all about them. Wow. Emily, you know a lot about Faberge eggs, huh? (laughs) My mom has some. Oh yeah. Is that, was that a hint to Octavio? Like, Give me a no, egg. Hey, no, no fabric egg. Like they're I super think, unique and they're beautiful. And no, I think they're gaudy. I think they're gaudy. I think they're they're tacky almost. They're too much. Too much filigree. A lot. It's a lot. If you look up a Fabergé egg, you'll see that they are highly decorative, and just they're just made to sit and collect dust. I, I just don't. I would rather spend my money on something else. Okay, let me Google Fabergé egg. But also, where did she get the three grand? Like, we'll get into that. That is, oh. there's a lot of contention around that. Huh. See it? See how there's really yeah. no purpose? Uh, yeah, it's like people that collect uh, dolls. Mm-hmm. Or like display. Yadro. Yadros and... What is that? It's a... Like a... Um, what are they called? Mm-hmm. I have no uh, idea. Like it's not a statue. Not like that you display, but it's not a statue. Hummels. Mm, like my... Debbie had like all of the... Ballerinas, whatever positions they were in. I don't know. Oh, I see that I guess, ring. Yeah, it's yeah, ugly, it's, right? It's square. Yeah. It's weird. It's so yeah. big. 
but Selena, massive. Selena loved that ring like so much so that she had the ring resized to fit her index finger so that while she was on stage and singing and holding the mic, you know, she would be holding the mic so the ring would be like right here. That's the first thing you see. Oh, uh, yeah. So she had it resized. And you so when she's singing, everyone can see the ring. Huh. She wore it in a music video, too, I'm pretty sure. So the thing is, all was not as it seemed, though, because later on during the investigation, there were receipts to prove that Yolanda made the initial purchase of that ring using a credit card from Selena, etc. And two weeks later, paid it off using a different credit card that was also in Selena's name. Now, there's a word for that. What would you guys call that? Theft. Embezzlement. Embezzlement. That's the right word. Um, but is it technically embezzlement? The, she paid for it and then gave it to her. Claimed. So I just think it was theft no. of money. She claimed she that she had something. bought it. She was embezzling then, money. I know that. I'm just saying, like embezzlement. When I think of it, I would think that it's embezzlement only if you're taking the money from your business that you work for and using it for yourself. She in, just uh-huh. essentially reallocated it in a different form. Well, she just bought it and then gave it back. Yeah, yeah, it's still it embezzlement that way. It's, it's, because it's you still. bought something for someone. Mm. But and gave it to him as a person. gift, mm-hmm. not not as like, hey, I'm going to buy this stuff for you. It's, hey, I'm giving this to you as a gift. But what you don't know is it's your own money. You bought it yourself. Mm-hmm. That's so embezzlement. Like it's, it's allocating funds that were meant for something else to a personal reason. You're taking it off the top, basically. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, I think Selena... She's what she did. I, she definitely she did. She turned around and gave it. She just... I'm not saying it was right, and I'm not saying that it wasn't a form of embezzlement. Mainly when I think of embezzlement, I would think like you're stealing money from your company for your own benefit or like to use on yourself. Yeah, but it was. was. She bought bought the ring and then gave it to her. It'd be like... Yeah, but she... So it'd be like trying to get with your... Yeah, think of like your hospital. If you had a company credit card and you bought something extravagant and then gave it to your boss... You're just making them... Hey, I, I got this for you. That's embezzlement. I don't know what the situation exactly was. I think Selena knew about it because um, although this is obviously sketchy, Yolanda and Selena herself explained it away as a gift from her 38 boutique employees. However, during that same investigation, some of the employees straight denied having any knowledge of this extravagant gift, which begs the question, why would Selena lie about an expensive gift like that? But more on that later. That comes up at a separate time. Second mm. embarrassment. It, I don't know what the reason. I mean, she. I think at that point, Yolanda's her friend, and maybe she did explain the situation that she used her own money to buy her her own gift. So Selena's like, "Well, I can't have the if this becomes public, I can't have them thinking that I used my own funds or you use my funds to purchase such a three thousand dollars is a lot of, a lot of money ninety five. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, I, I don't know. It just seems. Like it was smart for her to play it off as a, a company gift, not from Yolanda. But it's also possible that there's a third party party involved, which we'll talk about later. So this is kind of mysterious. Like, a, ooh, oh, maybe it's third spicy. party. Yeah, party. Uh, so it's clear <laughs> that Yolanda was not only close with Selena, but with the whole Quintanilla family. And we know this because there is old family videos and Yolanda appears in a lot of it during the four years she knew Selena. She was even Suzette's maid of honor. The good times began to change in 1994 after they had decided to put Yolanda in charge of the business. 
She was said to be a shitty boss to work for, and some people think it was because Yolanda had become possessive of Selena and wanted to be the only one to deal with the owner and actively tried to keep everyone else away. One of Selena's cousins worked at the shop too and noticed that the receipts for some of the items sold were just straight up missing, to which Yolanda replied, That is none of your business. Which obviously doesn't sound good, but it could also be that Yolanda was a fucking idiot and didn't know shit about fuck. You know, who, she's just Yolanda. She doesn't know how to run a shop. Wait, so they noticed that the receipts for some of the items sold were just straight up missing. So the receipts were missing and the items, so they... Yeah, so there's no proof that it was purchased by anyone. Okay, so she was just stealing items, not creating receipts to leave for them. Yeah. Because there were, the ba- balances would be off. Okay, I thought you meant... But it also could just be her managing, like, like yeah. straight up, like, she's just uh, a... Per- she was a nurse like, a year or two ago. She was a nurse a year or two ago, and now she's in well, charge that, of that running a shop. Is embezzlement. Well, yeah, she's just in charge of the shop, and so maybe she's just misplacing things and losing track or not keeping her records clean or she's literally taking the product and there's no tra- trace of it. So she's like, that's none of your business. Or she's letting third party steal from the store. Could be. Yeah. So uh, on top of that, this shop's designer, you know, cause this is a boutique. Um, his name is Martin Gomez who fucking hated Yolanda for the way she managed the shops said that Yolanda would try to micromanage the design side, even though she had no clue what she was talking about. This is fashion now. She has no business, first of all, in my opinion, running a shop. Secondly, she has no idea about fashion. And so even though this she didn't know shit, she would constantly fight with Martine. She even went as far as threatening to fire the seamstresses if they didn't side with her. Sounds like a great person to work for. Uh, sounds terrible. <laughs> Sorry, I've seen I just <clears throat> dealing with a micromanager to that level is very very stressful. So giving her the job was never about like her having knowledge of said shops or whatever aspects in the business she's managing it. So she doesn't really need to know about fashion. Like no. that's not part of it. So there's no business. But obviously on that side she of it. wasn't, she's not stupid because she's, you know, educated and has a, had a career prior to this, but she's like going nuts and maybe just doesn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. So this feud with the designer, Martin, would actually escalate to the point where they would go, they would both go complain to Selena about the other, and Selena was forced to pick sides. To help Selena pick her side, Yolanda started secretly recording the arguments and conversations between herself and Martin, then showing Selena that Martin didn't have her best interest in mind, which really just goes to show that Yolanda will do anything she feels she has to do in order to have the singer all to herself. And that's a little red flaggish. I think it's past that, I think. I mean, the recording, like, I get CYA and stuff like that, but, like, it doesn't seem that she was right in the beginning or with his No, arguments. no, not at all. Because so how, I think how she's going to spin that for her to she was, her side? She was antagonistic to the point where she would kind of, like, create the um, the tone of the conversation. And so she would steer it towards him saying shit that sounds bad you know what i mean but again she has no business even being in the shop she has no experience designing or putting together fashion so why is she even fucking there but she's doing it to play on selena's emotions gotcha unfortunately yolanda's plan worked and martin was relegated to to a supporting role and selena herself would be in charge of design from now on 
As shitty as it is, this manipulative tactic worked really well on Selena, and she trusted Yolanda even more, giving her more responsibilities and even giving her a key to her house. Yolanda traveled with her as a business partner, and all in all, Yolanda at this point in time really is living the dream. Yeah, I mean, you, you went from a fan one day to business partner with a key to their house the next day. Like, it's crazy. Obviously, it's the next day, but gets... you, you, you understand the meaning. The, yeah. the concept like is like... deeper oh. in. But at this point, does the rest of the family, like, already start to, like, have concerns? And she's maybe like a, she's just like a tapeworm. Um, so the thing is, Abraham Quintanilla, the dad who we know from the movie as really controlling and whatnot, he claims that from day one, he never trusted Yolanda. However, what's weird about that is it was him who agreed to her being the fan club president, and it was him who suggested she be the manager of the shops. So you didn't trust her or you trusted her enough to have the fucking access to money. Which one is it? Like you, you have two different contradicting statements. So, or his daughter was like already, you know, deep in the friendship with her, and mm-hmm. she talked her dad into letting her do it. Yeah, maybe, and maybe he's mm-hmm. we'll, we'll try I it know. out. I, I think, I think it's after the fact. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. I think at the time, like this is a great idea. Make her the the manager of the boutiques and this and that, and then after the smoke clears, it's like. Yeah, I didn't really trust her that much. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, if you okay. if you've okay, ever seen anything about Abraham, he is isn't one. Business is everything, and um, we'll talk about it a little bit later. But like, even Selena wanting to do fashion in the first place was an issue with Abraham because the music was first and foremost. And if she wants to move on to music, um, fashion, it's kind of a conflict of interest for him. So even that, like, to the point where, even though it's what Selena wanted to do. Um, the family claims that until Selena's death and everything was cleared, um, kind of settled down, they didn't quite realize how much going into fashion meant to Selena. So they were kind of like playing it off like, oh, let's let her live her little dream for a second. And then, you know, we'll be singing the whole time and making money off albums and shit. But to them, it was like, this is kind of like Selena's uh, hobby. It's not really who she wants to be until yeah. she passes away. So it's kind of like a fucked up situation. Five. Yeah, it's really similar, actually. Uh, not quite as abusive. Um, some people claim it is, but I, I don't think it was. I think he was just really driven to make this work. Uh, not to say he's a perfect dad or human being, but you know he did what he could because his life is also he came from nothing. So yeah, just once you see yeah. well, once you see dollar signs, right? That's pretty much all you see. Uh, yeah. And we, she was on the, she was moving up so fast in the singing world. It's not even funny. So he, he really wanted to keep, and he probably, if this hadn't happened, what we're going to talk about, if she, who knows where she'd be? I really don't know. But um, probably still, probably, bigger? yeah, probably still top of the charts. Yeah, probably. Or at least relevant in the industry. Yeah, that's what I think too. I don't know that she'd be like the biggest thing she is as she is right now, but she definitely would still be a force force for good. I think it still would be a, a, a name in the industry that everyone, Mm -hmm. you know, it it is now. Right. But that's postmortem. But I I think if she was still alive today, it's still like, Oh, did you get, do you hear Selena's new album? Like Mm -hmm. it's, it would still be a talking point and a conversation. Or or might not be the, 
the Kim K, like she might have her own fashion line completely, her own beauty oh, yeah. line. And she does have a beauty line. I think her sister did that, but it would be hers. Like, oh, do you have the new palette? Or, you know, however girls talk. I don't know how they talk. But um, Didn't she release a posthumous, or her family released a posthumous album? Yeah, it was a best of type of thing. Is Because she always wanted to release an album in English. And so they did that finally. Hmm. Um, anyways, so one of these trips um, that Yolanda accompanied Selena on was during a time that Selena was looking to mass market her clothing line. So she went looking for a factory to do that for her and ended up driving about three hours south to the city of Monterrey in the state of Nuevo León, Mexico. Since Selena was still a famous singer and was constantly on the road touring all over the country, she entrusted her good friend Yolanda to make sure this new project to get her line mass produced went as smoothly as possible. Things were going great for a bit until Selena made another trip out to Monterrey in September of 1994. And that's when she met a plastic surgeon by the name of Ricardo Martinez at a party. Despite the doctor being 30 years older than, than her and having his wife and kids in tow, him and Selena hit it off immediately. She loved the way he spoke Spanish and his ponytail. She found him elegant and stylish, and the feelings seemed to be mutual. What? Yeah. Oh, I smell an affair. That's what... That's kind of what it seems like. It was never verified because of what the situation, but uh, yeah. Yeah. So very quickly, the doctor and Selena developed a special friendship and she began confiding intimate oh. details about her life to him. And one of the most interesting things the doctor claimed she told him was that things between her and her husband, Chris Perez, were not going well. The doctor says she told him that Chris was not very supportive in Selena's desire to enter into the fashion industry, and it was causing a lot of issues between them. Actually, it was causing problems with her whole family, especially her dad, because he didn't want anything getting in the way of the music, because that was the main source of income for all the Quintanillas. This was important because the doctor was using his status and knowledge to help Selena navigate her way through owning a business in Mexico and going out of his way to make her debut into fashion as easy as possible. So her own family isn't supportive, but this guy is. See, now, <clears throat> my thought too, and I mean, history repeats itself. You can look at numerous uh, bands where they marry or have relationships within the band. Mm -hmm. In the end, they're looking for the best interest of the band, right? So this Chris Perez thinking, why are you looking to fashion? Because he knows if fashion becomes the big thing with Selena, he's out of a job. Yeah. Regardless if, yeah, it's, it's regardless if, he's married to her or not in the grand scheme of things. He's like, now I don't have a job. Yeah. I think he has the same thoughts as Abraham, because like I said, for the Quintanillas in general, the whole family is the band. The sister's a drummer. AB is the guitarist keyboardist. Uh, Chris is the other guitarist. Um, so it's a family affair and this is all they have. Unlike Selena, who is the band is named Selena. This is about her. She can do anything she wants. Right. But the band, even though they, they all A.B. Quintanilla has his own band, the Cumbia Kings. I think Chris Perez has a Chris Perez band. I think that's what it's called. I don't know what Suzette is doing. I think she might be doing the fashion side. She took over the fashion side, probably. Uh, if you know the answer to that, let me know. I didn't look into it. But, um, yeah, so they all did do other things. But you're right. Like, Selena itself, 
the the brand the band as her moving up is really what's most beneficial for everybody and so this fashion thing is is kind of a threat to that life yeah and it sucks that she's married to a person that probably their ulterior motive is making sure the band succeeds and they get paid lots of money yeah and it's it's one of those things like even though abraham was a driving force and did anything and everything to promote themselves and to further the band. I think if they had someone like Chris Jenner who saw the the potential in marketing fashion and makeup as simultaneously being a, the biggest music musical act in Latin America, if he had that sense, like Chris Jenner, for example, who pushed the Kardashians into what they are, then I think it would have been better for everyone involved. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, but they sure. didn't have that. Quintanillas were the music, you know, tunnel vision the music. Sister- was like in charge of getting the band and signing or starting a, a company for them, for the band. Mm. Yeah, they all do something. I just don't know exactly what she does. I know the rest of them are in bands. Like the record company manager or oh, okay. president or whatever. She's in charge of the family's record company. Oh, yeah, they do. Over. They do have Quintanilla Records. Yeah. yeah. And she's the president or whatever of that. Oh, that's CEO cool. probably. Yeah, that's good. Um, so aside from the doctor being the only supported person in her life besides Yolanda, um, he became her actual doctor. And when she decided to take her contraceptive implant out, it was him who took it out. And later when Selena had liposuction, he was the one to perform the surgery. All of this. Yeah. So he's an OBGYN and a plastic surgeon. He's her doctor. He's just a doc of all trades. Apparently. That's I mean, I would, I would dabble in it. I was a doctor. <laughs> a plastic surgery going in here. Yeah. Hey, guess what? I could perk those boobs up. And I can also take okay. out the contraceptive. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what a creep. Uh, all of this. Doctor. Doctor. <laughs> doctor he actually was. The plastic surgeon. So all of this left left. all of this left Yolanda feeling like second fiddle, which made her feel like she was losing control of the situation, meaning Selena, especially when Selena started making secret trips to Monterrey more and more frequently in disguise and everything. On one of these trips with Yolanda in tow, she arrived at her hotel to find that the doctor had filled her room with flowers. Yolanda took this opportunity to try and drive a wedge between Selena and the doctor by telling her to be careful because the doctor had less than honorable intentions with her, you know, because Selena was married and so was a doctor. And also he's 50. She's 22. He's got that money. I think it was more the support. Yeah. I think it's the support. It was an emotional thing for her. I don't feel mm-hmm. like it was necessarily physical. Yeah. But the doctor is probably a little crafty. But I mean, I don't feel like she wanted for anything. Except, except for her own no, life but choices. I, 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 in my brain, the doctor was crafty and was like, oh, I just have to tell her good things and then she'll fall in love with me. Maybe, yeah. I don't have to mean yeah. any of them. I could just say these things. I think he showed that he meant them because no he really he created meetings with people he knew in that industry to meet with Selena. And so he really did put his money where his mouth was, uh, wherever he put his mouth. Um, <laughs> apparently to take out a contraceptive. Ew. <laughs> nice little tummy tuck, too. No, 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 no. What? Oh, my God. 
Selena depended on the doctor so much that he became not. Uh, we already read that part. Um, <laughs> oh, well, you're there. No, no, yeah, we're there. Yeah, yeah Selena yeah, that he became not only medical care or. Um, sorry, we just erase this part <laughs> in post. Yeah. We start over. Selena depended on the doctor so much that he became not only her medical care doctor, but also her financial advisor, which she desperately needed because Selena's boutique was not doing very well at all. And she ended up having to lay off over half of her employees, taking her staff from 38 to 14. Checks would bounce and the doctor ended up giving Selena $7,000 of his own money to keep them afloat. Despite all of this, and despite her father wanting her to give up her fashion dreams, Selena was determined to make a name for herself. Abraham was pissed off that his own daughter wouldn't listen to him, even though Selena was doing exactly what her dad had done when he was starting out with the band, and forged ahead no matter what came his way. Abraham didn't see it that way, and like most parents, he thought, this isn't like my daughter. She must be getting influenced by a bad person, and Abraham decided that person was Yolanda. So Selena continued on trying to mass produce her clothing, which meant that from October to March 1995, she and Yolanda would make many trips to Monterrey to get this thing going. Yolanda claims that during some of these trips, they were being followed and watched. Then these people would start messing with her and let her air out of her tires. Yolanda is convinced that this was all done on behalf of Abraham Quintanilla because he was really starting to pressure Selena to keep away from Yolanda. As if things weren't bad enough, Yolanda had a falling out with her brother around this time also. And apparently, he was mad enough to start a rumor that Yolanda was stealing money from the fan club. This allegation against his own sister is bad enough, but things got even worse when the person he told was Yolanda's mortal enemy, Martin Gomez. Who obviously delighted in having found out some shit about Yolanda. So he ran off and told Selena's uncle about um, the theft. And then the uncle told his brother, Abraham which just solidified that he was right about not trusting Yolanda. Hmm. So why was that like a rumor or, I mean, they're already having issues. They understand that there's like not money coming in correctly and there's missing items and receipts and all this shit. So like, it's not necessarily a, that was about the boutique. This is about the fan club. When, when it comes to Selena's fans, Abraham don't fuck around, especially when those fans are giving him money. Yeah. Mm Hmm. So, in fact, this exact piece of news was the proof he needed because according to Abraham, he never produced these documents, but according to Abraham, he had been receiving letters from fans that claimed they sent the money but never received the exclusive items promised to them. With both of these allegations against her, he called Yolanta into a meeting on March 9th, 1995. When she got there, Abraham, Selena, and Suzette were waiting for her. Abraham wasted no time and demanded that Yolanda explain what was going on with the fan club and why the fans were not receiving the things they were promised. She explained it away by telling Abraham that these fans are just, or these complaints are just from fans who are trying to get stuff for free. Basically, hey, even though I got the stuff, I'm going to tell you that I didn't get the stuff. That was her excuse. Mm. Abraham wasn't buying it and threatened to have her arrested for theft. The next day, for some reason, Yolanda showed up at the family studios, even though she had literally no reason for being there, which pissed Abraham off even more, and he had her escorted off the property, which obviously did not sit well with Yolanda. She's losing all control at this point. Yeah. No, oh, that I'm, was the same I'm month, right? Pretty mm-hmm. sh- like, do you March. think she was guilty of the theft, or do you think it was actually fans i think she was guilty i don't think when it comes to the fan club she was guilty the boutique on the other hand i i do think that she was embezzling 
Oh yeah, yeah, with the ring and all that. Yeah, it was more I to it, it than that. It would be easier but... to embezzle or to steal from the fan club than it would be from the boutique. So maybe she had already been doing it, thought she could do it at the boutique, and then realized it's not the same thing. Oh yeah, these are items so she could have been stealing from the very beginning mm-hmm. it's possible yeah I, I just from what it sounds like she was obsessively devoted so i don't think she would fuck with selena that way at first which meant the fan club but when it came to the shop which already wasn't doing well there's so much going on the quintanillas have this music thing in the studio going she's trying to get business going in, in fashion so there's a lot of misplaced things you know what i mean so she can get away with it easier when it comes to the boutique i think so it's possible though i don't it's, i'm not saying i think not. That, yeah that's what i'm saying i think the fan club is a little bit harder because if you have fans saying hey i paid you know i paid five hundred dollars for yeah. whatever and i didn't get it that's a little bit harder to account for than something missing from the a shop. random expense know, on a business card for something that you can just play off like oh shit i lost a receipt for that sorry i don't know because the but like i'm thinking of People sending money, you're not necessarily like having to submit documents or whatever. So like if you're cashing checks, you could just say, you know, $300 came in this week instead of $500. But when you're talking about the boutique, you have to show either the sale of said item or it would go on. Not if you have business credit cards. Like I have to do an expense report every month and submit receipts. But, you know, there's people that if they really wanted to... Uh, embezzle a company you can fake receipts yeah but i mean in this case she said the items were missing from the store and receipts so well it's also and and you just write it off like ah shit i don't know what happened to that it's also said that um the faberge egg ring that we're talking about um it was that second credit card was paid off by a third party which people are thinking it's the doctor who's been paying it off so if we're going that route um, the Fabergé egg wasn't a gift from Yolanda, but it was a gift from the doctor through Yolanda. So it wasn't directly mm. from him. Kind of like she was the go-between. He was the one who said, hey, because it's custom-made. It's a custom-made egg ring for Selena specifically, obviously. And yeah, with so, the engraved ass on it. And right. All that, yeah. And so like, I don't, like Yolanda's a great friend to her during that time, but I don't think she would be, uh, I don't know, thoughtful enough or even creative enough to pres- to get this ring made so a lot of people think that it was the doctor who had the ring made and paid off the balance on mm. the credit card but wasn't that well before the doctor came in the picture it was around the same time yeah it seems yeah. like it was around the same time mm. so it's possible i don't know i think i didn't really include that because i think the other version makes more sense where it was just yolanda doing it i think that too like she just saw fancy things thought yeah. that oh great i'll buy this for selena i could never afford it for myself mm-hmm. and she'll love me more right or whatever. yeah that's what i think i i don't really subscribe to that whole uh third party thing necessarily uh when it comes to that but i, I do think as in march or from i would say september october to march there was this thing going on with the doctor because it's it's multiple sources saying that she and chris were on the end of their marriage basically or at the end on the rocks Mm -hmm. essentially yeah unfortunately for selena she was deeply confused because she loves her friend but this is her dad and business yolanda is fucking with so she's not sure what to do because as far as her and yolanda were concerned she saw that her friend had been incredibly devoted to her and getting her business off the ground making many trips to monterey on her behalf which to Selena didn't make sense that she would be betraying her like this. Why try so hard? 
to help me get things going if you're just going to you know, fuck me over. That's yeah. how she was making making it make sense in her head. Like she wouldn't she's do trying this. to isolate her from everyone else. She's so absolutely trying to isolate she would be her more so like equally obsessed. And I you're, guess, like, we're about to get into that's exactly what she tries to do. Like things escalated even more when on March 13th, Yolanda had her lawyer draft up a letter of resignation effective immediately. And in this letter, Yolanda made it clear that her resignation was due directly to the harassment she was experiencing from the Quintanilla family. On top of that, she demanded any salary or expenses due to her. It is strongly believed that this letter was a ploy to get Selena to turn against her father and take her side because she figured Selena would be pissed off that Abraham was interfering in her plans to make it in the fashion industry. So that's exactly what you were just saying. <clears throat> She's isolating it's, Selena. Yeah, it's crazy that because I see a lot of these, uh, the minute you have a lawyer draft a letter of resignation, mm -hmm. uh, you know what that's about. What's it about? I don't see these. Uh, okay, so normally, like, when we get letter of resignation, they're from the employee themselves, mm -hmm. right? Saying, hey, you know what? Oh, it's crime is involved. If you see it from a lawyer, you're like, oh, shit, they're going to be looking for something. They felt that they were wronged, and with her saying it was due direct because this is in the United States. Yes, which they were at will state, so they could technically fire her for any reason they wanted to. But uh, it's it's the same thing with California. California is an at will state, but I you can fire you can Kansas. You can fire someone for absolutely no reason, but they can turn around and sue you for unlawful termination, and they can make something up. They can say it's because I have a tattoo. That's why they fired me. Mm -hmm. And you find a good lawyer and you're going to, you're going to scrape a lot of money from that company. Yeah. Cause they'll just want to get it settled out of court. So they'll pay off so, probably. Yeah. So it's the same thing. She's saying she was harassed by the family. And, and you, want this you need to pay me the rest of my yearly salary that I'm due because I had to leave because of the harassment. So at whatever time this was, you know, we'll say it's, you know, March, well, you better give me another nine months of salary that I'm due because I'm and resigning because like of, tactic. well, it's, it's it, because she's money. saying like, Hey, because of your father and the family, I'm resigning immediately. And it's going to cost a lot of money for me to resign because of your family. Yeah. I'm losing, I'm losing money on all this because of what I'm dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. But the, uh, yes, but right after Yolanda sent the letter of resignation, she went out to buy a 38 caliber revolver from a gun store called A Place to Shoot in San Antonio. And the reason she bought it was because she says that she had been receiving death threats from Abraham and didn't feel safe. Although she told the gun store, A Place to Shoot, that she needed it because the family of a patient had been threatening her. Okay, questions, little mm -hmm. red flags raised here. She, she hadn't been a nurse for five, four years at this point. Yeah. So what's truly strange is that just a few days later, she returned the gun, claiming that she didn't need it since her dad gave her one. Then on March 26th, she returned to the same store and bought the same gun back. Oh, little buyer's remorse. Wait. She, it's, <clears throat> she bought right. it, returned so it, and bought, bought it again. On, she bought it on the 11th. She there's a two day waiting period for buying a gun. She picked it up on the 13th. A few days later, um, she returned it, and then on the 26th of March, she bought it again. 
the same gun. Do you think she bought it again under a different name or something? Like no, she- no, still. No, her. I think it. I think she was pondering what she was going to do with the gun. Yep. So she bought it. And I was said, thinking it was a tax to like not have her name on it. I can't do this. Mm-hmm. This is this was a terrible decision. Return it, and then yeah. that anger flared up again and said, "Fuck it, I'm buying it again." So to me and a lot of people, uh, the buying and the returning of a gun seems like she wasn't sure, like you're saying about the action she was about to take and mm-hmm. had decided not to do it for whatever reasons. Um, then when she bought the gun again, she decided that she was actually going to do what she initially wanted to do, which to me was most likely commit suicide. I think she bought the gun thinking I'm going to kill myself because I've lost mm-hmm. my best friend. I'm losing grips on my reality that I love. So I can't go back to being a nurse and, and the mom to three kids that aren't even fucking mine. You know, no man's in my life. So I, I can't do that. So I'm losing grip on this fancy fucking lifestyle that I've worked for myself basically. And mm-hmm. so I'm she's like, fuck forced, it. Basically like probably in her mind, I'm being forced out of this because of one person. Yeah, she's absolutely the victim in this in her in her brain. She's yeah, absolutely she's the like, victim. I'm I'm being forced out of this lifestyle. I have nothing outside of this. Yeah. But as I think it's suicide that she's contemplating, but it also could be seen as her deciding to commit murder. However, Yolanda explains all this way by saying that Selena herself had asked her to get rid of the gun. So she did because she was just happy that despite her dad's best efforts, Selena had not given up on their friendship. Whatever the reason may be, the gun she picked up on the 26th of March was the same gun used five days later. Hmm. So back yeah. up back up a few days, um, going back to March 13th, um, Selena and Yolanda continued their friendship and business partnership in secret and met up at various motels. However, all this running around and lying to her dad was taking a toll on Selena. So she told Yolanda that they should take a break. At Wait, least, hold on. What were they doing at hotels? Meeting. Meeting. For what? Business meetings. Business meetings. Oh. In secret. Because mm-hmm. her dad's basically. Away from Abraham. Yeah. yeah. His dad is strict. Like Yolanda's out. There's no I was just thinking because her, Yolanda's not in charge of the businesses at this point. So what business meetings would she be having? Selena's not even no, really char- in charge the, of it. The month that I think. Yeah, she's still in Mexico trying to find. She's, yeah, she's still keeping her essentially in charge of the the fashion businesses, but low key, right? And they can't do public meetings, so it's hey, we're going to go meet at random motels to discuss business outside of the scope of Abraham. And as shitty as this is, in days to come, um, all this running around just led to lesbian rumors. That's what I would think, or that she was facilitating, mm-hmm. like her going to see the boyfriend or mm-hmm. a doctor, and that's like her comp- travel companion or whatever. Because her, she's not going to be in charge of the businesses at this point because the dad has already. Well, like, I, there's already issues. The dad's not dad's- with the Monterrey thing. He's not with the Mexico fashion thing. That's all Selena and Yolanda. Her dad's yeah, not Yolanda can still be running the, Mexico. actually having the product made in. Monterey because it's in Mexico, not the United States. So he would have no clue that she was in charge of the actual making of the product. But no matter what they were doing in the hotel rooms or the motel rooms, it was taking a toll on her because she's disobeying her dad, which obviously she loves her dad, but it's her best friend. 
she told her, let's take a break, at least long enough for her dad to calm down and things to blow over at least a little. I'm not sure when she told Yolanda this, but I'm pretty sure it was probably around March 26th. Hmm. The day she picked up her gun again. Oh, shit. Yeah. And like I said, that's why she went to go pick up her gun again. So I'm pretty sure that's exactly when this conversation happened because I think the 27th or even that same day, she went back to Mexico that day. Yolanda did. So she didn't have to wait two days for the second purchase? No, it's already purchased. She's already been cleared and vetted and all that yeah. shit. Yeah, the first time you purchase it, it's a two-day as they clear your background. Mm -hmm. After you do that, you can basically keep purchasing guns because they have your background already done. Especially the same it's shop, a, same gun. Yeah, it's a first-time purchase that generally you have to have that waiting period. Oh, no, I didn't know you had to wait two days. I've never, I didn't do that. <coughs> I don't know if they have that here. That's I'm state. not sure. Uh, it's, it's, it's now, but they didn't want state, to purchase. It's state by state, but basically it's they have to run your background. You can't just go to a shop buy a gun same day they have to like you fill out a form they submit it to basically the feds they vet it and say they're not on our watch list give them a gun or they are on so our watch list do not give them the gun yeah, or, but, or find a workaround to get them the gun yeah but you think it like two days seems like a long time but you know how many, many how many people live in the United States, trying to get guns, yeah, I don't think millions of people. It, take, rule, it takes it takes a little bit. It, that's a very interesting thing because I just went into a, a place here that is very well known for selling guns, gave them a driver's license, and purchased it, and that was that. Walked out with it. I mean, that was years ago, but I, wait, what? What are we? You have a gun? Um, I do not anymore. It was stolen out of my vehicle. Um, but yeah, I purchased two, uh, 40 well, caliber and a 22. Apparently Mississippi doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> no, they really don't. But I don't know if that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know if that's changed now. If you do have to have a background check, like, uh, yeah, they're making days. it. Yeah. They're making it a pretty much like federal guideline where I would think that they, that would be adopted. By now well, there's going to be like a minimum amount of time, right? So a two day waiting period is the minimum, minimum yeah, for short. federal, but the States can do it longer. They can say, Hey, you're, you live in California. You have a five day waiting period. Can't they as not as do as long also? <clears throat> no. When the feds created, state a, did their laws first and then they answered no, to the federal after no federal the, okay. the federal government oversees the state governments. So if they create a minimum, the states can... Yeah, but federally, weed is not legal. And it's state correct. it is. Okay. So this it's is not correct. illegal let in me, Colorado, but federally let me just read. Let me read from the interwebs here for a second. There is no waiting period to purchase a gun in Mississippi. Several defined groups can't legally own guns in Mississippi, including children and youth under 18 years old, people with a felony conviction, unless they have certificates of rehabilitation obtained through a court. The next question. That is fucking bonkers to me, though. The next that question, statement that you just said. Mm -hmm. The next question. Is it easy to buy a gun in Mississippi? Mississippi has weak gun laws and has one of the highest gun death rates in the United States. Mississippi oh, does weird. not require a person to pass a criminal background check before purchasing a firearm from an unlicensed seller. From an unlicensed you, you, seller. I can go buy it from a coworker right now. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, Any, that. Okay. Yeah. That's what you mean. Um, I was like, if you buy it from an actual about, business, yeah, you do have, to have a background check. 
They have you do have a background check, which is a very simple one, I'm sure. It's like There's no wait period, though. Check. No, that's what I'm saying. I went in the place. They ran my shit. I left yeah. with it with an it hour in, later, yeah. probably, or 30 minutes. So they, do yeah, like, they, they probably do a quick in-person. Could, yeah, they probably can search a database real quick. Mm. Yeah. Just literally real that, quick. That is a that is a really good like. Again, I'm stupid. So, if the feds say something, but the states can do something states different, first. they can states first. They, they can, take their own rules. Yes, that's what I was saying. Okay, it's kind of like what the whole weed debate is. It's kind of what that's the what war is about. Kind well, of. Well, I, I guess it, the weed debate, but also you look at like Oregon, where every drug, every drug, yeah, no de- man it's not legal. Is, it's decriminalized. It's not legal. It's decriminalized meaning you can't sell it. Yeah. But you can be in possession of it for personal use. So federally means only that you can't cross state lines doing said, like you can't fly out of Chicago or out of Colorado back home to California or Mississippi and have with, weed. That's a federal law at that point. You're leaving okay. the state. So you can't leave with your gun out of Mississippi to another state. Then that would enact federal law. That was that so, whole... Uh, the kid that brought the AR across yeah, the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That dumbass. Uh, no, nah, it doesn't matter. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Don't care. Okay. Thank you for that, uh, Emily, because yeah. you made me a little bit smarter. Glad to help. But Thanks. Back to the story. In Anyways. Oh, my God. That was a tangent. Yeah, that's fine. That was a good tangent, though. I, I like that one. Um, that was a fun one. So right now in Yolanda's life, however, around the 26th of March, when she bought the 38 caliber for the second time, she has Abraham to deal with and Selena not listening to her advice and continuing to work with Dr. Martinez, making it clear that plans to get the factories up and running will continue with or without Yolanda. Then Selena tells her, hey, we need to take a break to let things settle down a bit. Ain't no fucking way this life was being taken away from her that easy. Right now in Yolanda's world, everything is crashing down around her. Damn. Oh, gosh. Backing a case against a wall is... It's never good. Very dangerous. Very dangerous. Yeah. What's interesting I, is that... I'm, what? Sorry. I was just going to say, imagine being... Do you think Selena realizes how nutty Yolanda is? And she's starting no, to... I don't to, think so. ...to become hip to it? Like, holy shit. Uh, she's more than a business partner. She's a was a fan that mm. was super obsessive and is now part of my life. And... Oh, fuck, we got to take a break because this <laughs> I think is she thinks of it, fucking intense. Like she doesn't have a life outside of her family and this band and, you know, what her dad wants for her. So like this person is a friend who's become invested in her life and encouraged her to do the things that makes her happy and isn't so focused just on what the whole family would benefit from. She's more focused on Selena. So that's mm-hmm. very like enticing to Selena. So she's probably just got blinders on and not even able to see that craziness yet because she's you don't think back brain like i maybe but i've had friends where something happens and i'm like oh shit like i need to take a step back yeah oh yeah that's happened before like it kind of shows you like oh they are an asshole or they really are not yeah they they are yeah you take a step back and you're like this person actually has bad intentions and issues and you might not necessarily cut them off completely, but you separate yourself a little bit and like take a breather, take a break. Right. 
but I feel like she was so like close with her that she wasn't, she was more so probably looking at it as her dad being controlling or her family being controlling over what would be best for the greater good, not necessarily what's best for Selena herself. Yeah. Yolanda was more supportive of that. So like she just wasn't seeing I, I really the really I I do think they were friends to the core. I really think they were friends because to me, this conversation seems like it's Selena saying, look, let's just settle things. Let's let my dad calm down. You know how he can be. You know how my dad is. Let's let's take a break. Just let things breathe and then we'll come back to this when things are cooled down and we can move on comfortably, you know, instead of like, let's take the heat off of us for a second. Let's just slow it down to push, let's pump the brakes. All right. But Yolanda's taking this as you're cutting me out of your life. Yeah. She's like seeing this as it's done and over with. Mm-hmm. Like if she can push me away now then for a little well, bit and she's going to do it forever. She's taking the psycho route. Yeah, she yeah. definitely is. <laughs> the, not using discretional time to think about it. Just like, Mm-hmm. Wait, what? She's taking a break. She's in her what? feelings too what do you much. Mean? Yeah. What's interesting is that Selena definitely did seem like she was planning to move on, but it wasn't just from Yolanda. It turns out Selena had been meeting with different people in Monterrey, but this time, she was looking at renting a two-story, three-bedroom house to be closer to her fashion business. And several witnesses had said that Selena had confided in them that she planned on divorcing Chris Perez. Now, I don't know for a fact whether she really did plan on divorcing her husband, but what is a fact is that Selena was basically one signature away from renting a home in Mexico. Yeah, I completely forgot about the whole Chris Perez thing. Yeah. I don't know. What, what's going on with that? Like, is he just as on, like, maybe he's not even in, in, interested in her and it was a relationship built on convenience because they were the only ones who weren't fucking related in the band? But they're with each other twenty four seven, so like she couldn't have a relationship with them. I mean, so, you, so the, you look at you look at Fleetwood Mac, and it's who Fleetwood, Fleetwood Mac? Mac. You know the the viral song. Come on, the chain. I mean, do I have to go through? No, I don't know. I'm I'm like trying to think. I don't know. I've heard of the band. I don't know what the dynamic is. The, what the guy, saying? the Indian guy who drank um fucking uh, the the juice um on the skateboard in that Fleetwood Mac. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I don't. I can't. That was. I don't know. It's their most popular it song. The, dude, the, train the dream. Cowboys do the song. The, the they do the. I don't fucking know what I'm saying anymore. In any case, yeah, it, it was there was dating going on between band members, and it didn't go well. Right. So, and the, it, I thought you were trying to say that they were related. No, the, no, no, no. Forgot the, to mention was, it. The, there's the, only the, two people that were actually the McVees were actually married. Mm-hmm. So like I forgot to the, mention the it completely. Keyboardist. I don't know why. I usually mention my sources, but the main source for this uh, episode is called uh, Selena's Secret by the news reporter from Primer Impacto, Maria Celeste Araras. And in it, she covers all of, all of Selena's life, Yolanda's life, and the court trial, which if you want to know everything about the court trial. And actually, more interestingly, the book is written from the journalist's perspective. So she goes through what she was doing when she heard all this news and covering it. Mm. So it's a really interesting perspective. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. So in, in it, she says that the relationship was basically, Selena, like I said, had no friends she couldn't date anyone because she's too busy being a singer and you know her dad's kind of strict about this kind of shit and even the movie you'll see that he was opposed to them dating because he knew that you know you can't have that mix but the thing is they were it was selena who was interested in chris and chris found out about that you know you hear like oh this good looking girl's interested in me now i'm interested type of thing um but he initially was keeping it professional um and 
the thing was they would spend day in, day out, night after night together writing songs, being in post quarters with the 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 tour bus like they were always yeah. right next to each other so it kind of is convenience but also like how could you not fall in love with this person who's right next to you all the time that loves the exact same things that you love mm-hmm. right the music he's not a good he's not a bad looking dude if you see that the ponytail he's, he's a good looking dude for 95 yeah, I, th- anyway. I think it was it was convenience and also proximity they're in your yeah they're in your face 24 7 yeah uh, at some point you're either going to hate them to their guts or you're going to love the shit out of them. Yeah. Polar opposites. There's no in between. I feel like it's no like, matter ah, what, I think I can deal danger. with them. It's like you, you either love them so much that you'll marry them or you hate them so much that your band splits up or you like, just push them, there? push them away. I think that no matter how you start the relationship in a band or in a close knit situation like this, you're always going to end up hating each other or resenting each other because there's it's too much like you have no time to room to breathe time apart or anything that's just your own some people need that in relationships and i feel like this was just a relationship opportunity that's what the fashion industry was to her this was her thing this is her way of making it and she has no support from anybody that's close to her besides yolanda and the doctor so yeah if you don't have that escape with you know for like myself, I know it's like video games mm-hmm. and just being able to zone in and be by myself for a little bit. Like that's a helpful thing. And if you don't have that, then holy shit. Yeah. So after Selena told her they needed a break, she called Yolanda again because she needed important documents that Yolanda had about the business for her taxes. And Yolanda was being kind of weird about it, being off, putting it off. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll get that to you. But then like, not really. Um, that is until March 30th when Yolanda called Selena and told her that she had been raped during her latest trip to Mexico. Selena came over to the Days Inn to check on her and to collect the paperwork she had been asking for. They talked for a bit and then Selena walked out of the room with the paperwork in her hand and made her way to the car. This was about 11 o'clock at night where her husband Chris was waiting for her. When she finally got a chance to look over the documents, she realized Yolanda hadn't given her the paperwork she asked for. She gave her completely different papers that were not relevant relevant to what she needed. So she called her right away, and of course Yolanda had some excuse, but then she tells Selena that she was bleeding a lot because of the rape. So Selena, still trying to be her friend, agrees to take Yolanda to the hospital in the morning because, again, she, this is probably like 1 or 2 in the morning, and Chris didn't want Selena going over there since it was late at night. The next morning around 9 a.m., Selena left her husband sleeping in their bed and made her way to the motel to pick Yolanda up and take her to the hospital. Once there, the nurses checked, and while it was unclear whether or not Yolanda had actually been raped, it still left Selena with questions because on the phone with Yolanda, she said she was bleeding a lot and made it seem like the worst thing ever, when in fact there was barely any blood, if at all. This led Selena to not believe any of it. She even pulled one of the nurses aside and told her she doesn't believe Yolanda's story at all. How the hell would she have known about the blood? Like, if there was any, or a lot of it, or anything? That's kind of a weird detail. Well, I mean, if you... She's in the room with her. Yeah, if you had a close female friend that said she was raped, and I'm bleeding bleeding a lot, and you go to the the hospital with her, yeah, wouldn't you be kind of invested in, like, I mean, seeing like if there was a lot of blood or not a lot of blood or no, because we can't allow anyone to be in the room when we examine patients for that 
reasoning. Well, she was standing outside, like even in, in the reenactment, you see her standing outside. But um, I guess in the conversations with Yolanda, it's like not that much blood at all, if any. Um, so you know, this kind of like if Selena was already on the fence about the relationship, this kind of like, yeah, I'm kind of fucking done. You're going to lie to me about rape of all things. Um, she just didn't believe her no matter what. She, at the end of the day, whether she was or was not is not necessarily important because Selena didn't buy it at all. Not one bit. Damn. It does seem like it was very... It's manipulative. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> like sympathy. Like, uh, I, you feel bad for me. I was raped. Stop being my... Don't stop being my friend. I need you type of thing. If you're going to leave me now at this moment in time, like you're an asshole. Yeah. And maybe the wrong paperwork was an, also an attempt to keep... Yeah, it was. To keep contact. Open. Yep. Absolutely. So now what happens next, no one really knows for sure except Yolanda. But the main theory is that when they got back to room 158 of the Days Inn Motel on March 31st, 1995, Selena had had enough of Yolanda and her lies and her trying to control her life. So she told her their friendship was over and took off her Fabergé ring that symbolized their friendship. This was the last straw for Yolanda and she reached into her purse and pulled out that 38 revolver. And one last manipulative move, she held the gun to her own head and threatened to kill herself in front of Selena, which obviously Selena didn't want to see that. She didn't want that. So she turned around and opened the door, which caused Yolanda to scream at Selena to shut the door. And this is when she claims the gun went off. Like, So she has the gun to her head, and when she tells her to open the door, she's kind of pointing with the gun at the door to mm -hmm. close it with the gun in her hand. And that's when she says the the gun went off by itself. And Selena was shot once in the back through her shoulder and the bullet hit her subclaving artery then exited out of the front of her body. Selena was shot at 11.48 a.m. Others claim that when Selena opened the door and was leaving her ex-friend in that room, it was too much for Yolanda and she shot her friend in the back on purpose. Yet another theory is that Yolanda pulled a gun from her purse, Selena, and Selena saw this and immediately turned around to run away because Yolanda pointed the gun at her immediately and not herself and then shot without hesitation. Again, we won't ever know exactly what happened in that room. The, the first one where it was kind of accidental is not accidental, but she pointed the gun because she's a manipulator. So I think she pointed the gun at herself to garner yeah. more sympathy before yeah. pointing the gun at Selena when she was trying to leave her in her most weakest moments. Like you, she's the door when the gunshot went off, the door was open and Selena was right next to it. Mm. So we know that for sure. That's where she was. And she was shot in the back. That's for sure. Further investigation would prove that the gun needed quite a bit of force to pull the trigger. But again, we won't ever know the truth, which, which way it happened. I mean, you have a revolver, you have a higher, uh, trigger pull because mm -hmm. you have to actually it has to manually pull back the hammer yeah to strike the bullet yeah even in so court there's, there's no way that it accidentally right and we'll go into goes, yeah. goes off something on else. its own we'll go into it, something else that definitely helps that helps your points here but even like during court uh the um the people the jurors said hey we need that gun for our for our decision so they actually gave them the actual gun that it was used and the jurors found that you have to intentionally pull that thing with yes. some force like intentionally want to pull so that trigger it's, it's a revolver yeah, yeah. so there's it's, it's not a it's spinning it's not, the barrel right but it's yes. not a semi-auto where you could accidentally like 
feather tap the trigger because yeah. it has a lighter trigger pull because it's semi-auto. Yeah, this is a hammer. I feel like it was a definite, like, she was trying to get sympathy or whatever. That's why she was putting the gun to her head. And then she saw that Selena was going to walk out. Not necessarily, like, her life forever because she just didn't want to see her shoot herself if she was going to. But she wasn't really stopping her. So then at that point, she was like, well, fuck this. I'm not going to kill myself. I'm going to kill her. Yeah, well, in that theory, uh, Selena's actually turning around to go get help because she's pointing the gun at herself. So she yeah. wants outside help to try to convince her not to kill herself. And again, I think too, with the shot, like it might've been a, just not intentional trying to kill her, just shooting in her direction and happened to hit her artery. And that's why she died versus, and you'll see in almost every documentary, you'll see, uh, like they always say an inch to the inch up, inch down, inch to the left, inch to the right. Selena survives. Yeah. She hit her subclavian artery directly. Yeah. And I think, a lot of blood. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I, I, I don't think she aimed to kill her, but wanted to shoot at her or near her. Interesting. Just... Her is what I'm thinking at that point because she opened the door. So. Yeah, and even then, I think because in in this whole story from this point on, it's basically about her. It's not about her and Selena. It's about Yolanda and Abraham's relationship. There's a lot of shit going on that she claims is happening, and so in this theory that was on purpose. Um, basically she was, what would hurt Abraham more than me injuring his favorite thing in the world, which is Selena. Right. So in, in that instance where it is on purpose, like without, without manipulating her, where it was just like the gun to her head, where if it was the theory where she just pulls it out and aims it at Selena directly, it's because she's trying to hurt Abraham. Mm. So it, it, however you want to go with it, the things we know for sure are that it was probably intentional because of the force needed to pull it. And um, she shot Selena in the back. So cowardly and just shitty all around. After Selena had been shot, she ran out of the room screaming for her life and left a trail of blood from room 158 all the way to the doors of the front office. And at this time, several employees and bystanders claimed that they saw Yolanda chasing after Selena, pointing the gun at her and even yelling, bitch. Selena managed to open the doors to the front office, but she finally collapsed onto the lobby floor yelling for help. Right away, the employees knew exactly who she was since they were in Corpus Christi, and she's pretty famous. The employees said they heard her say, Help me, she's trying to kill me. And when they asked who, she managed to say Yolanda Saldivar, room 158, before she passed out. These would be the last words Selena would ever say. Damn. The police were called, and the name Yolanda was given right away as a possible suspect. Um, We can just actually listen to the 911 call right here. Okay, but where's 
I'm a part of a body. I'm part of the body that you can someone like running into your lobby mm-hmm. and and spilling bleeding she was profusely bleeding like the trail yeah. i think you can still fall the trail is pretty easily laid out but um well it's arterial blood yeah it's, yeah it's it's, it's it, the whole trail from 158 to the front office is just trail of blood dots everywhere and so when she got into the office she actually fell on her knees calling for help and, that, and then she collapsed but just pool of blood man just so much blood yeah, and uh, and another thing that points to Yolanda's um, guilt is that while when Selena ran away, uh, Yolanda followed after her, and she actually claims that um, she didn't know that she had shot Selena. She thought she missed because Selena didn't. I don't know why she. Maybe she says adrenaline because she screams and <laughs> runs away. So I don't know why she thought she didn't hit her, but she claims that she didn't know she was hit. And so mm. the thing about it, though, is when you leave the room, the, the 158, when you leave the room, there is a huge puddle of blood right outside the door that where she was shot. You know, she paused for a second. All this blood came out of her chest and there's a huge puddle of floor. There's no footprints in that blood. None. Mm. So Yolanda purposely stepped over a pool of blood over like three times, I think. Going in, out the room, in the room, then back out the room. There's no footprints in that blood. How does she not know that she was shot? Yeah. So that that's that saying her saying that she didn't know. Bullshit. Hundred percent. While in the ambulance on the way to Corpus Christi Hospital, the medics were assessing the situation and noticed that Selena's hand was still clutching that Faberge egg ring. When she arrived at the hospital, Doctor Lewis Elkin said. She had no evidence of neurological function. There was no evidence of any blood flow to her brain. Brain was not functioning. She was clinically brain dead. As soon as she got there. Back at the motel. Yeah. What out? Yeah. So back at the motel, the police responded right away, and a detective that was searching the property noticed a distraught woman sitting in a red GMC truck attempting to leave the property. She saw the cops and reparked the truck, and then a police cruiser was placed behind her to block her in. As officers attempted to get close to the vehicle, Yolanda pulled out the same 38 revolver and pointed it at her own head. And this was the case for the next nine and a half hours. During the first four hours, the police scrambled to get their equipment up and running while they kept her on the phone, which she happened to have a car phone so that she could talk. So she had, you know, one hand on the loaded and cocked gun pressed against her head and another hand on the phone with the police. After the police set up all their shit, they managed to record the last five hours of the standoff. And here's a, a few minutes of the clip of like, it's kind of like a compilation, like the best of, of Yolanda's moments in the truck. Oh, I want to kill myself. I don't want I don't, I don't want to get out of the Yolanda, do you have a gun in the truck? How did you my head? No, don't do that, Yolanda. Put, point the gun down. Lay the gun on the floor. I can't. Larry. What? Could you look at me? Look at me on the side. 
you're hurting real bad and you're crying, Yolanda. But I can't understand too much about what you're saying. Do you know how to unload it? <laughs> you know how to unload it? But I have the... I have done nothing good. Look what everything is doing. Everything has happened. Yeah, so that's uh, wow. what the detectives had to deal with for five hours while they were well, Damn. nine and a half hours, but five hours of recording. Um, that's intense, like all around. Like she, uh, I don't know. I I wanted to make fun of her several times during that because she's just mumbling a bunch, and even the cop was like, "I want to help you, but I don't know what the fuck you're saying." Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a Wookie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, I think that the part that I found like eerie was on the radio as she, she's listening to the radio in the car. Yeah. And the, what I heard on the radio that day is what she heard. And she that's when she paused and she's like, did I just hear that I killed Selena? And then she loses her shit even more. And the cop's yeah. like, no, I don't know shit about that. I don't know. The, the radio says no. shit. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know anything about that. No, you definitely didn't murder your friend in cold blood. Um. So yeah, uh, and the part at the end where you can hear her yelling, that's when she gets out of the truck and they ambush her. <laughs> yeah, they fucking tackle her. <laughs> they just tackle her, yeah. This call really solidifies the fact that I didn't think that she had it in her to kill herself from the very beginning. I feel mm -hmm. like she second-guessed wanting to murder Selena and then took it back and then rebought it because she you know, was going to take a break or whatever. But it's this whole time, it's been an obsessive, like, if I can't have her, no one can exactly. kind of thing. But she's never wanted to really kill herself. She just wanted to have her to herself and no one else could have her if she you know so 
her explicitly saying, I don't have the guts to kill myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so finally around 10 or 11 that night, she came out of the truck to a massive crowd of hundreds of Selena fans and every TV station you could think of. The police whisked her away with a jacket over her head because she didn't want to be seen by the TV cameras. Plus, it was raining. They took her to the local precinct and sat and interviewed her for several hours where she signed a confession saying she killed Selena. However, in October of 1995, when her court case came around, the full five-hour audio tape was played for the jury, um, and in it, she could be heard crying and saying it was all an accident. But the problem is Yolanda had never said it was an accident the four hours before the police started recording. And once they did start recording, she had only started to say it was an accident once one of the negotiators had said, hey, maybe it was all an accident. He said, sometimes guns go off by mistake. And that's when she said, yeah, 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 yeah. It was a mistake. This was all just a mistake. So in, until the officer put it in her head that it was an accident, she had never said it was. The whole, like five hours of the standoff go by with, without her saying this was an accident. And then all of a sudden, the cop was like, hey, sometimes guns go off. He's like, yeah, that's what happened. That's it. That's, I didn't mean to kill my friend. But she signed a confession. Yeah. To help. She was going for like the pleading insanity type thing. I don't know. Uh, they're surprised she actually never went with that, but they didn't. Like the, the prosecutor's like, wow, she didn't go for insanity. That's crazy. Maybe because no one fed that information to her either. Yeah. So to help prove this during the trial, the defense brought out a Texas Ranger named Robert Garza, and he testified that he heard Yolanda say this had all been an accident while she was in the interrogation room, and the detectives had straight up just decided to not include that in the written confession. But two things are fishy about all that. One is how could the ranger have heard Yolanda say that if the room she was being interrogated in was soundproof? Nothing can be heard from outside the room, even from the two-way mirror. Second, if it all truly was an accident, why didn't she insist that it be put in the written report? Why would she just sign it? Granted, it had been a long day and the cops weren't handling this perfectly either, to be fair. I mean, Yolanda didn't even have an attorney present despite the negotiator stating they would let her get one when she was in the truck. Like that was one of the conditions for her surrender. It's like, we'll get you a, a lawyer to talk to uh, if you just give yourself up. We'll help you out. But they actually never did it. Those rooms aren't soundproof. That the, the, it, that if, one it has a two -way, if it has a two-way mirror, there's a speaker on the other <coughs> side to speak into you, the room. The detectives in that testify if it's that being, it was, Yeah, if it's being recorded though. Mm -hmm. Only being recorded. Anything that's not recorded is... Private. An admissible no, in a like court the, of law. I'm just saying like that could be how they heard it is that he yeah, did turn what? on the speaker or something. But if it wasn't, if she didn't know it was being recorded, it's inadmissible in a court of law. Well, yeah. I mean, so is a confession after they've asked for an attorney. And yeah, they didn't provide one. Um, it's hard to say yeah, who was telling it was the a truth. Written, it was a written confession that she signed. Right. Without an attorney present, right? Right. That doesn't matter. Yeah, they She's have to provide an attorney. Yeah. Okay. If she didn't ask for it in the court, she didn't ask for it in the interrogation room. They just talked about it, negotiating her getting out of the truck. I don't know if negotiators' words are binding or not. I think they say what they have to to get you out of that situation. Yeah. I don't know how that works. Um, all, all of that should be admissible. Yeah. Like he was just doing his job to try to defuse the situation. It's a shitty situation for both Yolanda and the cops who both handled their parts, not exactly perfectly. But either way, 
What was never in question was the fact that it had been Yolanda who ended the life of Selena Quintanilla. The question was whether or not this was an accident or straight up murder. Murder. I'm going with murder. Yeah. As most high profile trials go, this one was filled with all kinds of interesting information, including 10 years earlier, Yolanda was accused of stealing $9,200 from her boss. And it was settled out of court when she agreed to pay it back. So it was. there's no record of it, and you really have to dig deep to find it, but it's there. She had been stealing mm. from her previous boss, and it was only not uh, put in record because she agreed to pay it back out of court. It was settled out of court. Like um, a hospital or? Yes, her, her doctor boss. She worked for that clinic, remember? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 9200 is very... Um, I think this is early 80s, so it probably... No, I'm just saying it's like 20K. a... 20K. Very exact number. Like, I wonder if that was to pay something offer to someone else or i don't know i feel like that's just what she got away with for when she did it yeah so it's a little suspicious that the same gun she had been holding for nine and a half hours against her head never went off despite her moving around in the truck with one hand on the phone so i go with what will said about that type of gun i don't think that's an easily that was another point they made. Discharge. yeah this this all came out in the trial like if if it was an accident and it, you know, you didn't mean to shoot Selena. How come the only time they went off when you was when you were pointing the gun at Selena, but not yourself? How is yeah. it possible? Like you were, you heard her voice. She was, she was desperate. She was not herself. She she could have easily pulled that trigger, and it she didn't. She just didn't. Yeah. The the ring, like we talked about er, earlier, was allegedly a gift from a third party who was possibly Selena's lover. This is all stuff that came out in the trial. Yolanda's letter of resignation was found in Selena's purse on the day of her death. On the day of Selena's death, she had a suitcase with her filled with clothes and a permit to work in Mexico. Hmm. Who did she initially give the resignation letter to? I think it was sent to to the yeah, it was, it was yeah, it was from the her lawyer. So I think it was sent to the company to Abraham. Like, so yeah possibly she had a copy or she had the, she had exact the letter. letter yeah she had it with her oh. i think that's part of the conversation that they actually had so that according to yolanda there was many many conversations that they had in that room that all led to the shooting we don't know what those are because she's tight-lipped and she likes to maintain her fame in my opinion she's not she has nothing to say but she's also not saying anything because she wants to be relevant to this day you know like oh i have secrets i'll never tell you but I have them. I'm just not going to tell you what they are. Fucking psycho. There were also other several um, several other accusations against the Quintanilla family, specifically that Abraham had raped Yolanda, and even gnarlier, she claimed that Abraham had inserted a knife into her vagina. As far as I have seen, though, none of that was ever proven to be true. Not even a formal complaint with the police had ever been filed. So, I I doubt. Yeah. It, yeah. Yep. Throw that one right out the window. Yeah. Something that severe, rape and, you know, inserting a knife. A knife. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, that'd be criminally. To garner sympathy and also isolate her from her family. Yeah. It's all, everything she's saying just seems to be to further promote herself that she is the victim in all this instead of the aggressor. Yeah. All in all, the trial lasted three weeks starting on October 9th when the jury had been selected and officially began on October 11th and lasted until October 23rd. The jury took two hours and 23 minutes to decide that Yolanda was guilty of first-degree murder. 
and later she had received the maximum sentence of life in prison and would be eligible for parole starting in 2025. Damn. Two hours and 23 minutes is not a long time to decide the fate of someone like that. That's basically like, oh, we're just here to uh, make sure everyone's in agreement. Yeah. All right. You guys want some lunch? Cool. Let's get some lunch, then we'll go back. Basically. Yeah. Review the notes. All right. And guilty. guilty. Yeah. Two hours, that's nothing for like, I mean, for a murder trial, this capacity, this fucking, this prominent, it usually would take uh, like several hours, if not days to decide this, but nope, she's guilty. I feel like it only takes several hours or days if they're, it's a hung jury and they're just trying to, to flip the one or yeah, two that are. That's what I'm saying. There's no one in question. There's no one questioning that she did it. Yeah. It's just, yeah, pretty easy. Once Yolanda was in prison, she gave an interview with Primer Impacto where she hinted at there being much more to the story. But like I said, she couldn't reveal it because it was Selena's secret. And she said all kinds of shit, but really all she did was prove how manipulative she was. She would dodge all kinds of direct questions about the whys and hows and would just say it was Selena's secret. Like every time to ask her, it's like, oh, I can't say that because it was part of Selena's secret. That was her answer for everything. So it's just more, you know, deflection, more just manipulation to everyone. She would later say that what happened that day wasn't about her being fired or her embezzlement. It had actually been about some tapes that she had seen two weeks earlier that would be damaging to Selena's career. And she had found Selena's diary. And in the diary, she confirmed what she had seen on those tapes. When asked where they were, she said they were safely hidden away in a lockbox in a bank in Monterrey. However, the attorney she entrusted to go retrieve that information checked 12 different banks in Monterrey and ultimately came up empty-handed. But guess what? Doesn't matter. Because Yolanda claims and has been claiming since 1995 that the secrets and the information she is holding onto won't exonerate her because she definitely killed Selena, but the information will be powerful enough to grant her a new trial and shed a whole different light on Selena herself. However, 27 years later, and literally nothing has ever come out, and she's still sitting in prison today. So She's eligible to get out in two years? Three years, yeah. Three years? Well, I mean, this year's almost over. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Two and a half years in. Yeah. Yep. Uh, will she, though? I don't know. No. Even if she does, she doesn't show remorse now, then she, the parole board will not even entertain her ass. If she does, she'll be like 63, 64. Yeah. So the death of Selena has been and will always be one of the most tragic deaths in the music industry. I mean, even today, right now in 2022, she has almost six and a half million monthly listeners on Spotify alone. And on YouTube, she has almost 750 million views on just three of her videos i mean like i told you earlier a few months ago emily and i went and bought a selena shirt here at our local walmart in south mississippi she is an undeniable cultural icon and unfortunately just like with chalino sanchez and other famous people who died early it's possible because she was taken from this world at such a young age that she's so famous i mean don't get me wrong she would absolutely still be a force to be still be a force to be reckoned with but i'm pretty sure it's safe to say not quite at the level she is now Plus, on a positive note, if she hadn't died, it's possible J-Lo wouldn't be where she is because before the 1997 movie, aside from In Living Color as a backup dancer, even then I know it's her, I had no idea who she was. So J-Lo probably wouldn't be as popular as she is now if it weren't for Selena's death. That is true. So that was the story of the death of the Mexican Madonna. Is that what they call her? 
Mexican Madonna. Yeah, she is the, the queen of the queen of Tejano, and she's the Mexican Madonna. Hmm. Those are her two nicknames. I didn't know that. Yeah, so that's that's how she died, and probably why she died. Even though I still think there's hardly any answers. That's um, I'm interested in like her like mentality at this point after being in prison for so long. If she's going to be eligible pretty soon, I wonder what her I don't know mental state is now. Is she still fucking nuts, or do you think? Well, I wonder she if she like comes out and says like, "No, I accidentally like I purposely pulled the trigger." They mean to kill her. I don't think I, she'd ever. If you've seen any interviews with her, she's always like, "Oh, I'm." I'm she was, she she's my friend. Badly. Yeah, so bad. Any interview oh. ever, it's really bad. So that's why she, she's not going to be remorseful to the um, parole board either, because she doesn't have like an empathetic bone in her body to even fake that shit. Damn. Well, and the thing that sucks that we we usually don't talk about, but with Yolanda killing Selena. The like I said, she was her family's pride and joy. She was the only one to graduate college and do anything with her life of you know any kind of prominency. So for her parents, two people died the day she was sentenced: their daughter and Selena. Yeah. So that two people were lost in one go because of you know whatever situation was between them two. Damn. I mean, all the people we talk about, it's like we can say the most horrible things about these heinous people, but their families didn't do anything necessarily. And it's a sad situation when you're looking at it from their point. Yes, there's a victim of murder, but also, like you just said, there's two people who are going to be affected or two, two families. families who yeah. will be affected by it. And it's harder to mourn someone who's still alive, I guess, too, I feel. Yeah, and uh, for sure it is, especially if they're like guilty of it. If they yeah. weren't, then it's like, okay, you're mourning them in a different way because you know deep down they didn't do this crime and they're having to, you know, be charged with that crime. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, they didn't do this and the evidence is proving that, but we can't get them off death row or we can't get them yeah. out of prison because... And it, for the family, like, they were there at every court date. That was... um a big part of that, the whole family supported both sides were there. The whole family were there. But if you see footage of, of that day at all, they have, uh, people outside, like crowds of people outside. It was cause the, uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, OJ Simpson trial had just ended like a couple months mm. earlier. And so, uh, they had people outside with signs like hang that bitch. Like she needs to, you know, all talk about Yolanda. They were cause everyone's a Selena fan. Obviously no one gives a fuck about Yolanda. So they were like, she yeah. needs to rot in jail. She needs to, be murdered that they actually had the uh mexican mafia uh threaten the attorney who is representing her uh mr tinker is his name and and the prosecutor if he lost like and basically she's kind of in solitary because the mexican mafia runs prisons and who knows if she was taken out but they threatened the mexican mafia was all about this child because it's selena's you know it's the bumper of selena's but also, Yolanda needed to be taken out, according to them. So the family had to deal with all of this shit. People with signs saying, murder my daughter, basically. Uh, you know, yeah. they're, you they're seeing this. Yeah, you, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, these people who ha- are innocent are dealing with the fallout of all of this, and it sucks for everyone involved. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's all we got for today. I hope you enjoyed that one. 
Check out our Instagram and Facebook at Bloodthirsty Times and our Twitter and TikTok at Bloodthirsty Pod. And you can email us at bloodthirstypod at gmail.com. And we prefer Instagram or Facebook because it's easier to communicate with people. Thanks. Well, thanks everyone for uh, joining us in this spoopy month as well. This is Mexican Heritage Month, but uh, we're going to get spoopy up in here. It is October. It is October. It's time for that. Boom. We'll see you guys next in two weeks. <laughs> yeah. We got somewhere to be next week. Yeah. So in two weeks, we'll catch you guys Hi. back here. Love y'all. Bye, everybody. Bye.